Welcome to SCD Church's podcast. You can always join us for our live services Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings out in our West Auditorium. You can also tune into our services live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, a couple weekends ago, um, I shared with you that we were we had a men's retreat that we went to Catalina, and um, as we were going on this uh, trip. I got to be honest, I didn't really want to go, um, not because I didn't want to spend time with all the guys and I didn't think it was going to be a great weekend, but I just had so much that I needed to get done at home. And there were some other things, some obstacles, some situations that needed to be dealt with. And um, I just, I didn't have the time to go and to deal with it. Like I, I got too much on my mind, too much that I'm worried about, too many things that need taken care of. And then we make it over to Catalina and we have no cell service. We have no way to communicate with everybody. And, um, and so I walk into our first session, and it's before everybody gets there. I'm going over my notes of what we're going to talk about, and, and Nick starts singing that song. And I sort of heard that song before. In fact, the artist who wrote it had, uh, d- did a concert here this last year, um, but I never really listened to it. And then as I began to listen to it, and I was thinking about all the things that are waiting for me back home and all the challenges that I'm going to have to deal with, I was starting to be reminded, oh yeah, that's why I believe what I believe is because the evidence is not just in all the apologetics that I love, but the evidence is in the life that I have lived up until this point and how God has provided for me. And so for the, for the remaining weekend, every session, um, I don't know if it, if it was intentional or not, but um, Nick ended up singing that song pretty much every session throughout the weekend. It just became the anthem. I was repeating it over and over again. And so by the end of the weekend, I said, Nick, you have to sing that um, when we get back because um, it is a good, it's not only a good exercise, I think it's life-giving uh, that we remember what God has done in our life is oftentimes when we think about our own situation, we're only thinking about the present and the future, but we don't look back and go, oh yeah, I remember when I was going through this and, and God provided. And that's part of my story. Maybe that's part of your story is as we are walking along this faith journey, we can look back and we can say, oh, do you remember when we were facing this obstacle and God showed up? And so that's what we're going to be talking about for um, the summer is we're in the series called Summer of Somebody or Summer of Stories. And we're also going to be doing a Summer of Somebody's throughout that. And, um, and we're just going to be talking about stories, stories of life change. The idea came from um, in our staff meetings, we do what are called God stories. And so we get together as all staff and we talk about what God is doing in the ministries here at SCG, just life stories. Here's how God is changing people's lives. And it's a great way to feel encouraged because sometimes ministry can be a little bit disappointing. And, and, and it's a reminder of, oh yeah, this is why we do what we do is because God's showing up and he's working in people's lives. And so we thought, you know what, we're just going to spend the entire summer talking about what God is doing here at SCG and then also uh, around the world. And so we're going to bring in some interesting speakers as well. Um, One was a former mafia boss. Uh, The other is a former KGB agent, people who had radical transformations, and then also tons of people within this church and uh, life transformation that they've seen as well. And so it's going to be a great summer. This is actually like the kickoff weekend for summer where we're going to be, um, we're going to be talking about these stories. And our hope is not that, not only that you'll be encouraged and inspired by these stories, but it'll also make you start to think through your own story. Is everybody's got a story. Everybody is writing a story that is their life. And some of you guys, you, you have stories, and, and um, maybe you haven't had time to really reflect on those stories. You just keep moving, keep going, and you haven't stopped and gone, oh, yeah, that was, that was crazy how God worked that out and how he was able to manage to. And some of us, we just need to remember what God has done for us. We need to evaluate where we're going and, 
Now, we're actually going to give you the opportunity to share your stories. And so hopefully you got this on your way in. Um, it's a card, and it says, tell your story, give God the glory. All right? And uh, on here, this is mine from last night. I started writing out some of my story. And, uh, and hopefully you can start writing out some of yours. And we're going to have Polaroids. And you can put your picture on there if you want. And um, in the CLC, we have a giant storyboard, like a 20-foot-long storyboard. You can go and you can put your story on there. And um, we would love to hear it and be encouraged by your story. And we'll talk about that a little bit more uh, throughout the service. So what we're going to be doing is uh, we're going to be talking about a story in the scriptures, um, a pretty crazy story in which this guy named Joshua is used by God to change an entire nation, Israel. And through that, we can learn things about our own stories and some things that maybe we may have missed along the way. Or if we're writing a story that we're not necessarily proud that, we're, uh, that we want to tell, um, we're going to talk about how to write a better story. Because we believe that the, the best stories are written when we connect our story with God's story. When we can figure out how we fit into the story that God is writing, that's when we're going to find out what life is all about, and we're going to write a better story. So uh, we're going to jump into Joshua. If you have your Bibles or Bible app, you can jump in with me. Um, We'll be in Joshua. We'll start right at the beginning, uh, chapter 1. So if you don't know anything about the Old Testament, Joshua, what's going on there, let me just give you kind of a Cliff Notes version, is what's taking place is you have, um, you have the nation of Israel, and they're God's chosen people. He raises them up, uh, but through a series of events, they end up in captivity, slavery, and Egypt. And they spend a few hundred years there, and eventually God sends this man named Moses. Moses says, let my people go. Okay, we have one person who's seen the movie. Good. Let my people go. <laughs> and... Uh, And they do, because God sends a series of plagues, and eventually Pharaoh says, all right, get out of here, you guys are just a a problem. And so they start leaving Egypt into the desert, except then they decide, you know what, no, we need their slave labor, so we're going to go, we're going to get them back, so they're pursued. You remember there's this whole parting of the Red Sea, they make it through, it crashes in on the Egyptian army, they're wiped out, and they end up in the desert. So God provides this just miraculous uh, escape for them, and they end up going to the promised land that God has always said, I'm going to give you this land. It's going to be where you can have your own home. You can prosper. It's going to be just for you. Well, they make it to the promised land, and, um, and eventually uh, Moses sends 12 spies because he wants to see what the lay of the land is. And so he sends these 12 spies in there, and two of them come back, Joshua and Caleb, and they say, it's amazing. It's exactly what we thought it was going to be. It's exactly what God promised us. Yeah, there's some people that are inhabiting it, and it might be kind of an issue, but we're going to trust God. Let's move forward. The other 10 that went and saw it, they said, yeah, it's amazing, but it's also amazing how big the people are. They're massive. And the cities, they're walled. We don't stand a chance. I think we should probably just stay where we're at. And because of their disobedience, God says, fine, I'll give you what you want. You're going to get to wander the desert for 40 years, and you're not going to enter into the promised land. I'm going to allow you to die in the desert, and I will have your children uh, take the promised land. And that's exactly what happens. That's where we're going to pick up the story. Joshua 1.1, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. So here's what he says. Moses, the guy that you worked for, your leader, he's dead. So you're in charge now, and it's time for you to move. We're going to go, and we're going to take the promised land. Are you ready to go? Now, already Joshua has inherited a very difficult situation because he sees two major obstacles. One is a a leadership issue. He has to now step into the role that Moses once filled. 
Moses was an incredible leader. I mean, think about this. Moses was the guy who he would go and he would talk to God and then God would talk back to him. He would, he would go up to the mountain and God would give him the Ten Commandments. He would part the Red Sea. I mean, that is a really, really tough leadership spot to fill. And not, only, and, and, and not even he could get the people to fully trust God and enter into the promised land. The, issue, the other issue that he had was uh, the Jordan River is there is this barrier between them and the promised land where there is a, a river that is deep and it is flowing fast and they have to get a couple million people and all of their stuff from one side to the other. And so as he's inheriting this new leadership role, you have to imagine that Joshua is thinking, I'm not really sure I want to do this. This is a big task in front of me. If not even Moses could do it, how am I going to stand a chance? Because it's not like Moses was president and I was VP and it's like, all right, I'll step in. It was like, I was his assistant. Why, how were, I wasn't even in the running for this job. And yet they hand it to me. So as you think about your own story and um, you think about all the things that you've gone through, all the obstacles, no matter who you are, you've had difficult situations. You've had obstacles along the way. That's universal. That is true of every person on this planet. The difference, though, um, between a story that we tell that is tragic or triumphant is not the encounter of obstacles. Everybody's going to have them. It's how you deal with those obstacles. And so you take Moses and Joshua, for example. They were having the exact same problem. They're facing the same obstacle. The only difference was how they were going to deal with it. Moses decided he wasn't going to trust God. Joshua has the opportunity to do it differently than him. And so um, I, remember, uh, I remember back to this last couple years, and, and maybe you had a similar situation, where there was a couple obstacles that we encountered in the last couple years. And so from a pastoral perspective, um, one of our major obstacles was we weren't allowed to meet as a church, which is sort of a big deal for us, because that's kind of a big part of what we do here. And so... For a while, we didn't get to meet, and then eventually we're out in a parking lot meeting there for a while, and, and as all of this is going on, and we're trying to just get our feet under us, we have some other stuff that happens behind the scenes, and one day I'll tell you about it, in which, I'll be totally honest, the leadership of this church was not sure that we were going to survive it, and I'm, I don't think I'm exaggerating. We had many conversations where we went, I, I'm not convinced we're going to be around this time next year. And so as we're looking at these, all these obstacles, and it seemed like there was more and more coming our way, and, and you probably encountered this as well, we just said, okay, we can either continue to dwell on all the problems and every day just continue to sulk and be depressed because it seems like they're never ending, or, and this is going to sound cheesy, but sometimes in those moments you got to be a little cheesy, you go, I'm going to see these obstacles as opportunities, that God is trying to write a better story for us. Not one that I would want to write, but a better story. Because if it's all smooth sailing, that's a boring story to tell. And so God is probably going to write the most amazing story right now. He has to. Because the obstacles that we're facing are enormous. And so that I started personally writing down in my phone all the obstacles. For the last two years, I have this, uh, this uh, notes section in my phone. And I just write down. Today, here was the obstacle. Like when we have, here was the obstacle. This person, this thing, this issue, this whatever. And so I've been keeping this running record of all the obstacles. Because I said, I don't want to forget the story that God is writing. 
because it's going to be a pretty crazy story when it's all said and done. And so I want to remember, and then when God resolves it, maybe not in the way that I want to or the way that I, that I think he should, but okay, I'm going to write that next to it. And then here's how this issue is resolved. And so I just keep writing it down. I keep writing down. Here's what, here are the obstacles that we are facing because I want to remember the story that God is writing. And that's sort of what happens to Joshua. Joshua uh, is called by God to lead. And the first thing that he does, or the first thing he communicates is, I want you to remember. Here's what he says, Joshua 1, 5. says this, No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So he tells Joshua the first thing. He says, all right, as you're facing these obstacles, I need you to remember this. I need you to remember that what I have done in the past, I can continue to do in the future. Remember the past. So he says here that um, I want you to remember what I did for Moses. One of, the, uh, one of the things that we do here as a church is whenever we're facing obstacles, we, pr- we try to review what God has done in the past in order to build our confidence in the present. And so we tell stories all the time about what God has done at our church. Like, if you've been here for, uh, for any amount of time, you've probably heard about our origin story of how Seacoast came to be. And so part of that story is when God called our family to Seal Beach, and, and we just were facing all these obstacles. We had no congregation, no income, a tiny building falling apart, no parking, and to be honest, a leadership that was suspect. <laughs> and so... We talk about how we had all these obstacles and yet we just continue to trust God and how he provided. And then one day we end up with this incredible church, but the obstacles don't stop. We, we grow and we run out of room and so we need this auditorium. And so guess what? We decide we're gonna build an auditorium and then what happens? 2008, recession. Perfect time to be building a building. And yet God continued to provide. And then we, our story continues to be written. Now we have this story about how we've gone through COVID and all these obstacles. And, and we review this, not because we're awesome. We're not. Because God is awesome. And we want to remind ourselves, okay, he continues to provide just like he did back then. And the same is true of my family story. We repeat it all the time to you and to ourselves. And hopefully you do the same thing in your own life. Is we talk about how my great-grandfather was a bootlegger. He was a, an outlaw. He became a Christian. Then he became a pastor. And then my grandfather and my dad and now me. And we have generations of pastors. And there are dozens and dozens of people standing on a, on a stage in, in front of a pulpit today preaching because of this guy's story. And so we repeat it over and over and over again because we need to remember in order to find the courage today to face what we're facing, we need to remember what God has done. And so we hope that you are repeating your story with your kids and your grandkids at the dinner table, at at Christmas, in those moments in which you're talking about life and you're talking, you you know, you know, I've, I've had some interesting experiences, son. Let me tell you a little bit about those. That's what the scripture is for. It's there to remind you of all the things that God has done. We have record of it so that we can go back and go, okay, he did that for Israel. And he did it for the disciples in the early church. And oh yeah, and then here's what Jesus did. And, and we can remember together, this is who we serve. This is the God that we follow. And so although this, this obstacles are daunting, he can do it again like he did before. Verse six. Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. So here's what he says next. He says, now I want you to remember what I've promised to do in the future. 
I not only promised um, to, to provide for you, I've promised you this specific place, this land. I got a bug. Do you see this bug right here? There's a bug right there. I feel like we're back in the tent again. You know, I just need somebody doing donuts in the parking lot and we're good. <laughs> anyway, promise uh, what I've promised you. Um, there is, the scripture is full of promises. Promises that are for you and I, if, if we believe. Promises like salvation, that if we put our faith in Christ, that we will be saved, that he will give us a new life, that he'll give us eternal life, that he will work out all things for our good, that in our comfort or in our trials, he'll bring comfort in this times of distress, he'll give us a peace beyond understanding. And so it's in those moments, that's like the first thing I say whenever I go into a situation in which somebody is just really struggling. Oftentimes it's because of some tragic event that's taking place. I walk in and I go, okay, this doesn't make sense. This is a huge obstacle. And I can't tell you that we're going to make it okay, but here's what I can tell you. There are promises, and we need to begin to proclaim these promises, that there is a peace beyond our understanding. Again, I'm not going to make sense of this, but I can offer you a peace. He tells them here that we have to remember these promises. Then he says this. He says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Then he says, now remember what I've called you to do. I called you to enter into the promised land, but I've called you to a, a life that is different. I have called you to a life in which you hold and you keep my commands. What he's saying here is, if you will be faithful to me, I will be faithful to you. Is you got to do your part. You got to show up. You got to keep showing up and doing what I've called you to do. And if you will do that, I promise that I will be faithful to you. I will hold up my end of the bargain. And so whenever I find myself um, in a situation or a, a difficult time, that's the first thing that I ask is, am I doing what I was called to do? Cody, are you holding up your end of the bargain? Because you can't expect God to show up when you're not showing up. And so I can go back to the basics. Okay, am I reading the scriptures? Am I worshiping? Am I praying? Am I tithing? Am I serving? Am I, am I doing the basics? Verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And finally he says, now remember I am with you. No matter what you encounter, no matter what you face, I am right there in the fire with you. And so, be comforted knowing that I walk by your side. Remember that your story is not done yet, that if you still have breath in your lungs, I am still writing a story. It may be not the way that you want it to be, and it's full of twists and turns, and you don't understand it, and yet, I'm still there. So remember that I'm with you and that your story is still being written. What you'll come to learn is that... Um, this promise of God being with us is not a means to an end. That is the end. It's not that we end in some destination where we have these dreams and these goals and we go, okay, God's going to help me get there. He, he may. And I do believe that that is the best way to live. But you will begin to realize that the journey of walking with God is the point, not ending at a specific destination. And so when he promises to be with us, no matter what we might face, that is the goal. The goal is to walk with our God. See, God commands us to be strong 
and courageous, especially when we're facing difficult situations. But he's not saying man up and get the willpower and the strength and the courage to face this. No, 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 no. He's not saying that. He's actually saying the opposite. Once you realize you are not strong enough, you don't have that much courage, then you will begin to rely on me. And the first step to getting that is to remembering what he's done for us. Now, um, this part, next part's not in the text, but I, uh, I kind of imagine what Joshua might be thinking. And in the moment in which he's getting this call to enter into the promised land, he's got to remember the conversation that God had with Moses not long before this. Because God called Moses to do the exact same thing. And when he was calling him, uh, you can actually read it in chapter 8 of Deuteronomy. He goes through and he lists all the things that Israel needs to remember about what God has done. Do you remember when I brought you out of Egypt, when I parted the Red Sea, when I provided food for you in the desert, when I guided you? Do you remember all of these things? Okay, now, now that you remember those, you can be strong and courageous and enter into the promised land. And so, Joshua has a choice. He can remember and he can move forward or he can do what Israel did. Is as soon as they faced a difficult situation, they forgot everything God did. All they saw were the obstacles in front of them. I understand, God, you did all those things in the past, but we're here today. And this is scary. And so God says, okay, well, if you're not going to trust me and remember what I've done, then I'll let you stay where you're at. Joshua, on the other hand, says, well, I'm going to do a little different. Next week, we're going to talk about, uh, Doyle's going to talk about what happens in the story of Rahab. And, but I'll fast forward a little bit for you and tell you kind of how this story concludes, or at least this chapter. So um, Joshua decides, we're going to get the people, we're going to get them moving. He gets all the people moving, and he's waiting for God to tell him the plan. What are we going to do, God? How are we going to take this land? And God says, okay, I'm glad that you're on board. I'm not going to give you the plan, though. He never gives us the instructions and goes, okay, here's what's going to happen. Here's what the obstacles you're going to face. Here you're going to what he does is he goes, okay, now here's the first step that you're going to take. Huh? First step. That's all you're going to give me? Step one? Yeah, step one. And you know what step one's going to be? Here's what I want you to do. It actually says in chapter uh, 3, verse 8. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's water, go and stand in the river. <laughs> okay, great first step. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 I see where you're going with this. So you want me to get the priest together, get the Ark of Covenant, which is like the symbol of God's presence that contains the Ten Commandments. We're going to carry it, and then you want us to walk into the river and just keep walking. That's the plan here? Yeah, that's the plan. Okay, I guess, you know, I said yes. I mean, it was nice. You did for Moses. You parted the Red Sea. He had a king. It was a G, but, you know, fine. All right, I guess we'll do it. So they start walking. And it doesn't tell us when God shows up. I like to imagine, this is, how, this is what I like to imagine, is they're walking in and the priests are very serious people and they're going, okay, you want us to just walk right? Okay, we're walking, okay, here we go. And they step in and there's nothing's happening. That thing is just still going. And they get about knee deep and they're just like, okay, all right. Uh, and they're like, are you sure that that was God talking to you, Joshua? All right. And get about, and, and nothing. I like to imagine it got like all the way up to like their nose right here. And then finally God goes, <laughs> you didn't think I was going to show up, did you? Yeah, no, I did. And so eventually it says that the land dries up and the people begin to walk through to the other side. Millions of people, kids, women, all their stuff. And they walk through, they make it to the other side. And God commands them to do one more thing. And I won't read it, I'll just give you a quick summary. He says, now that everybody has made it through, 
and there's been this monumental, defining, life-altering miracle that has taken place, I want you to go to the middle of the river where it is still dry. I want you to pick up 12 stones, which represent the 12 stones of Israel. And I want you to come and I want you to build this monument out of those 12 stones. Really? Build a monument? Yeah, I want you to build a monument. Here's why. It tells us this. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. Here's what he says. I want you to go and I want you to build this monument because one day you will forget. You'll be tempted to forget about what I did here. And when you're walking along with your kids or your grandkids and they see this pile of stone, they're going to go, what is that all about? What do you guys do here? And it's got to be an opportunity for you to say, oh, see this, this was the beginning. See, this changed not only my life, but this changed your life. You know the house that we have? You know the community that we live in? You know the relationships? You know all the blessings that we have? This is where that began. See, God showed up when it seemed like there was no way, that there was only obstacles in front of us. God showed up, and so this is how we remember what God has done. You know they're going to face a lot more obstacles, and you're going to hear about that in the coming weeks. The battle is just beginning for them. And there will be moments in which they are afraid, in which they feel defeated, in which they're not sure that they can trust God anymore. And you know what they can do? They can walk back to that monument and go, okay, he did it in the past, he can do it again. I just need to remember. I need to remember who God is and what he has done and what he is calling us to do. There's this movie that I watched growing up. And... um, It's probably one of the movies besides Home Alone that I can quote um, throughout the whole thing. And in this movie, there is this scene. So the the movie is Hook. Um, And if you don't know the movie, it's the story of Peter Pan with a twist. It's Robin Williams, and he's Peter Pan, and he grows up into an adult, and he forgets Neverland, and he forgets who he is, and until one day he comes home and his kids have been kidnapped by Hook and taken to Neverland, and so he has to go back there. And, and his son Jack, um, who was who kidnapped, begins to st- not just stop fighting where he is, but start to accept his fate and starts to believe, actually, that this is his true home. And as he buys into this lie that this is his home and Hook is actually his father and these are his, this is his family, he forgets about where he came from. He forgets about who his true father and his true family is until this one moment. And it's kind of interesting because, you know, the, 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 the character's around the same age as my son and my son's really into baseball. And so it's this very vivid picture where he gets up to bat. He's in Neverland. And in the outfield are all the pirates that is his new family. And Hook arranges it where they're putting up signs and a chant. And it's supposed to say, home run, Jack. Except they mess it up. And it says, run home, Jack. And when they say that, he pauses. And he begins to remember, this is not my family. These are not my people. This is not my home. You're not my father. Just for that moment, he remembers who he is. See, I think that's what happens with us is, Humanity has forgotten who we are. That we have been called, just like Matt said last week with the prodigal son, is is this is not our home. This is not our family. We have bought into a father of lies, and we are called to run home to where we belong. And so this weekend, um, I want to give us an opportunity 
an opportunity to, to run home. Some of us for the first time. On these little cards right here, it gives you, you know, your, your space to maybe simply declare, today I'm, I'm coming home. I've been running for far too long away from my heavenly father in my, my true home, and I'm going to stop running today. I want to come home. And so if that's you, we would love for you to just write that on there. Maybe put a little bit of your story. Some of us, we've been walking with the Lord for a long time, but we need to stop and we need to remember all the ways that God has been faithful to us. Because it's funny, there's these moments in which it is, it feels like our world is being turned upside down. So Amy and I were talking the other day, and Matt and Chelsea, who you heard are new parents, um, it's fun walking through this with them. And every little thing, and oh my goodness, she okay, and it's such a big deal, and Amy and I walked through a season like that with one of our kids where during our, uh, the pregnancy, there was a lot of complications and we weren't really sure what was gonna happen. It was pretty dangerous. We were having to go to the doctor every week and they're having to do um, exams. And, and so we're praying. We came to the elder prayer and they prayed over us and it was just a really tough season. And then we get to the last week of her pregnancy and they look on the ultrasound and they go, it's gone. It's all cleared up. We've never seen this before, but everything's going to be fine. And just the incredible relief. Our life was given back to us in that moment. And you know what's funny? We were talking about it the other day, and I went, now, which child did that happen with? I don't remember. (laughs) This was like, this was my world. And now I look back, and I can't remember. Which of those children had that issue again? How easily we forget. And so last night, um, I began writing down all the ways that God has worked in my life, just bullet, there's just, I'm gonna need a booklet of these if I wanna actually be thorough with it. But for some of us who have been walking with the Lord for a long time, we need to go back and we, we need to remember in order to not only bring gratitude, but strength and courage for whatever it is we're facing today. And so we're gonna give you that opportunity too. And so what I've asked um, Nick to do is to come back and just repeat a little bit of that song. Um, it's summer, hopefully you don't have anywhere to go and you know. You're not in a hurry, and so we're going to ask you to kind of hang for a minute. And as he plays this, if you'll just either maybe for the first time say, God, I'm coming home. Or you just need to start to remember all the things that God has been faithful with in your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we come and we, um, we stop and we just remember. So much of our life is lived facing forward. What is next? What is in front of us? What is the thing that we need to tackle? What are the issues And very rarely do we stop and we remember how good you have been to us. All the ways that you have been faithful, sometimes in unexpected ways, maybe even ways that we wouldn't necessarily want, but at the end of the day, you provided. And so, Lord God, some of us, for the first time, we need to just stop and we need to remember where our true home, who our true Father is, and come to you. Some of us, we just want to stop and we want to thank you for your faithfulness. And so in these next couple moments, I just pray that you'd bring to our minds all the goodness, all the favor that we have been given throughout our lives, and that would produce in us a sense of gratitude and courage. In your name we pray, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message, and remember, we also have live services out in our West Auditorium on Saturday evenings and Sunday mornings. Or you can always join us live online at seacoastgrace.org or on our YouTube and Facebook pages to hear these messages in real time.